It's time for JT the Brick. So we are open for business again, everybody. I had a dream that someday we'd have a flagship station with the cooperation of the team and the fans that stream globally. JT the Brick. Are we all on board with that? Because if you're not on board with this, you're going to have to enter a mental asylum. If you're not on board with this, it's going to drive you nuts. Jackpot, baby! And now, here's JT the Brick. Back to the JT The Brick Show with today's guest host, Harry Ruiz. And that dream is a reality. Raider Nation Radio is here and we're here to stay. Hour number two of the JT The Brick Show. Thanks for tuning in today. Thursday, we're 22 minutes away from being officially in the single digits of numbers of days that we're away from the Raider game, from the Raiders taking on the Chargers in our home away from home in Los Angeles, in Inglewood. The Raiders might not play there every game at home, but believe me, that's a home game for the silver and black. Someone who I spoke to before coming on the air that might not be going to the game, and there's a good chance he might not be going, is Gorilla Rilla, who posted on Twitter on Tuesday afternoon, I was not allowed in the game last year with my mask on. Has anything changed in 2022 that I can get clearance to enter and cheer on my team and celebrate with the Raider Nation? He did that tweet with an ad at the beginning to the Chargers. I know that Rilla has spoken with the team, with the Chargers, but he needs to get confirmation that he will be let in. Last year, at one entrance, he wasn't allowed in. But... We always figure out a way to do things in the Raider Nation, and he ended up getting in another way. He was inside the stadium. But I'll say this. I've heard the same from other fans that had their face painted, that had to go back to their cars and with water, take the face paint off their face to be able to go into the stadium to watch the game. I've heard people that they say it was a terrible experience being at SoFi Stadium, just getting into the section that they needed to get into. Getting into it, getting over to it was a nightmare. And I've heard terrible stories about SoFi Stadium. So it doesn't surprise me to hear this situation going on and especially seeing other fans post pictures of Chargers fans wearing a costume inside of SoFi Stadium, of Rams fans wearing costumes inside of SoFi Stadium, of fans from both fan bases, Chargers and Rams, wearing face paint when they made a Raider fan take that face paint off of their face to get into the stadium. I've heard those stories, and I see everything on social media, and I'm like, look, that's not fair. You got to treat every fan the same way. doesn't matter what team they root for or anything else, what their their skin color is, what their heritage is. It doesn't matter. Everybody, we're human beings. Let everybody go in there and celebrate. I know that the stadium is going to be sold out mostly with Raiders fans paying overpriced tickets because Chargers fans are selling their tickets on the secondary market at ridiculously high prices. Why? Because fans in L.A. are going to pay for them to go support the Raiders. But if somebody wants to wear a mask, I'll, I'll say this. I was with Gorilla Rilla at the Mandalay Bay before the first preseason game here in Vegas. There was a Raider Rets uh, post party they had there at the Mandalay Bay. What happened? 
Gorilla Rilla spoke with security before heading over to the Mandalay Bay. They told him it's cool. Just walk in with your mask lifted, talk with somebody from security, and you can go in. And after you go in, you're good. You can put your mask down. We know who you are. Why can't SoFi Stadium do something like that? I know Gorilla Rilla isn't an official Raiders member. He's not paid by the team. He pays for every flight. He pays for every game ticket. He pays for every hotel he goes to. He's not officially a member of the Raiders as a team, but he's the face of the Raider Nation. I took I was with him at the Pro Bowl and we went to dinner after the Pro Bowl. Just to get out of Allegiant Stadium, it took us like an hour and a half. He was being stopped by every single person in and outside the stadium that saw him because they wanted a picture. They asked for his autograph. They want to have that moment being with him. He's a face of this franchise, even though he's not an official member of the franchise that gets a paycheck from the team. This guy is important. And for the Chargers to do something like that, that's stupid. They can't let that kind of things happen. And guess what? Now social media, they're taking care of it. A lot of folks on social media once Raider Ramble posted their story, started interacting a lot with that. And I'm sure folks over in Inglewood, in Los Angeles, now they know, and now they might be in damage control and be like, damn, what do we do? Bobby says no. I think they are. And they might be like, all right, let's do something to shut up those fans over in Vegas and in Oakland. You think otherwise, Bobby. They don't care. They don't give a damn. No, of course they don't. First of all, they're being petty. Petty people do not worry about details like public opinion or any of that sort of thing. This is this is what the Chargers do. You know, they can't. They they know damn well that there's going to be thousands of Raider fans heading into their stadium. They don't have the fan base to have thousands of their guys over in Allegiance, so they have to control. They have to maintain their power structure, however they can, using this petty little thing with Gorilla. Okay, well that's that's what they do. Yeah, and you know what? I remember before Allegiant Stadium opened and while it was being built, there were rumors that fans wouldn't be able to go in with masks. And it's like, it's the Raider Nation. Everybody wears a costume and it looks like Halloween in September. And people are out there having a party because that's how they celebrate. That's how they enjoy it. And it's, like you said, petty. And they should be ashamed of themselves for that. Now, now, by by contrast, the Chiefs, if he was hypothetically to go to Kansas City... They, I know for a fact they've let him in there with the mask and a whole bit. Plenty they of let time. him in anywhere. He right. was inside the Pro Football Hall of Fame a couple of weeks ago. Now he can't go into a stadium to watch the home op- the season opener? Right. You know why? Because Kansas City doesn't have to worry about this kind of stuff. Kansas City has rings. Chargers don't have no rings, and they're real uh, pissy about the whole thing. Yeah, I saw so a graphic. They, so they got to, you know, they like I said, they got to maintain their power structure however they can. This is the only way they can really do it because they really don't have anything else to work with. I saw a graphic that a friend shared to me on WhatsApp, a friend from Mexico, and he's like, teams with Super Bowl wins in the last 10 seasons, Rams, Bucks, Chiefs, Patriots, Broncos, Seahawks, Eagles, Ravens. Last 20 seasons, Packers, New Orleans, Indianapolis, Pittsburgh, the Giants. Last 30 seasons, Cowboys, Niners. Last 40 seasons, the Raiders are there. Raiders, Bears, Washington. In the last 50 seasons, Miami. In the last 60 seasons, the Jets. Never included in that group are the Chargers. And I was like, wait, there are some of those squads that were founded recently. The Panthers, the Texans, the Jaguars. 
But I'm like, the Chargers, they've been around since the 60s. Mm-hmm. And they haven't got, gotten any of those rings. So, and, and don't think that ain't a burr in their ass. Oh, absolutely. I'm telling you right now. And guess what? We make sure to make them know that every time it's Raiders, uh-huh. Chargers, or any time you see a Raider fan and a Charger fan next to each other, they'd say that. Absolutely. And the, and that's, then like I said, that's part of the same pettiness. They know that. It's the same thing when they go out to the L.A. media and they start handing out donuts and coffee and the whole thing you know it's the same thing it's it's all part of the same uh plot for lack of a better term to you know advance their team i mean they already know they're second best in their own bleeping stadium come on now exactly they're obviously going to take any advantage they can you know even if it's just something as petty as with a fan that's wearing a gorilla mask and they're not even in the top three of most popular teams in in their own market Mm -hmm. so but and of course, if there was hypothetically any Charger fans that dress up, they come to Allegiant, they get right in. There's no baloney. Yeah, exactly. Because, it's because like the Raiders enjoy because, the game. Because the Raider team is like a single-minded man with a mission. They're not worried about all this. What the media thinks, and what social media thinks, and what your fans think, and what your grandmother thinks. They're not worried about any of that kind of stuff. Over in L.A., that's all they know how to do. So there you go. Exactly. And right now, the Chargers are definitely getting a lot of feedback from a lot of folks saying, well, uh, uh, you maybe you maybe cut me off. I was like, maybe I shouldn't say that on the radio. A lot of people being like, no, don't do that. You guys are bad. Let's go to the phone lines. We got Mitch from New Jersey hanging on. And sorry, Mitch, we had to talk about Gorilla Rilla. What do you think about them not being not allowing Gorilla Rilla inside the stadium with his mask? I don't know. I tell you what, I would sell my tickets. Um, I think it's going to be the toughest game of the year. That division, this division, is so is so incredible. There's so much talent, and uh, Wilson getting all that money. I mean, he's a little short and he's a little past his prime. Crazy. Um, I'm glad they had to fire running backs. I wonder if you know what happened to Justin Jackson. He was with the Chargers the last couple of years. Uh, I think he'd be right up there. In a you know a top two or three running backs here, but have we kept those um, five running backs? We're gonna have a uh, defensive line is gonna have their work cut off, and especially our defensive backs. Any yeah. chance? Um, these two that were Milwaukee, the Packers will play Milwaukee once a year. I mean, what's happened with the Chargers, San Diego, Oakland, and the Sonics? But I won't go too far off topic here. Could they play like one game? It's it possible. I mean, I know it's be bittersweet. I mean, for starters, thank you, Mitch, for your call. I appreciate the support also on social media. I don't. I mean, Packers in Milwaukee. I think that would mean giving up a home game, and I don't think the Packers want to give up any home games in Lambeau Field, especially with the income they get from them uh, like the Raiders did so for a while with the Mexico City games because they were coming to Vegas so it's part of the agreement with the NFL but most of the teams don't want to give away any income that they can have from home games and now with the extra home game that some teams are having in the regular season the NFL has a right to be like all right you go play in London a home game this year why well you're still going to have your Eight regular season home games. Now you're just going to go play another one in London and you're going to grow your fan base out there. That's what they tell everybody. And I know the Raiders are trying to do a better job with their fan base in Mexico and hopefully they succeed in it and be able to grow the fan base even more. They're huge down there, but 
There's a lot of people that just get attracted to winning and they see the Patriots kick butt over the last couple of years and they start rooting for the Patriots. I was shocked when I went to Mexico for the Raiders Patriots and there was a ton of Patriots fans out there. I was like, what the hell? And I was like, well, they've been winning recently. So now they get to enjoy that, that they expand their fan base that way with rings. Now Raiders, let's get some rings. Let's expand the Raider Nation even more. Yeah, even with people like that, fair weather fans that only root for your squad when they win. Raider Nation, remember the JT The Brick Show is presented by Grimaldi's Pizzeria. Hands down, my favorite pizza in Las Vegas. Only at Grimaldi's Pizzeria can you get famous New York-style coal-fired brick oven pizza that you crave. Grimaldi has four locations in the Las Vegas Valley. To find one near you, go to GrimaldisPizzeria.com. After the break, Raider Nation, I'm excited because we got Alex Marvez from SiriusXM, NFL Radio, and All Elite Wrestling joining us here on the show. We're going to talk mostly football, but I'm going to throw in some wrestling as well towards the end. Let's go to the break. We'll be right back here on the JT The Brick Show on Raider Nation Radio. to the JT The Brick Show with today's guest host, Harry Ruiz. Um, for one, everyone in that room is a competitor. Everyone takes their job seriously. You know, it's tough to stay around this league, you know, and uh, like you say, you know, most rooms don't carry six backs like we, do, we did this year. And uh, I think it's a testament to the guys who came in every single day, um, worked to the best of their ability, uh, made corrections every single day, you know, it's, uh, it's tough to get back to 100% every single day when you're in training camp for I don't know how many weeks. You know, guys really bought in and uh, made the necessary sacrifices to put themselves in the best situation to make the team. Amir Abdullah coming into his seventh season in the NFL, his first with the Raiders. I honestly didn't think he was going to make this team once preseason, once training camp started. But he earned his spot on this squad, both with the practice side and the game side of the preseason. So congrats to Amir Abdullah, and hopefully he has a great season with the silver and black. And someone that I hope has a great 2022 NFL season is Alex Marvez, who is coming into his 25th season covering the NFL. He's with SiriusXM NFL Radio and also with All Elite Wrestling. Alex, it was great meeting you out here in town last month, and it's great having you here on the air on JT on the JT The Brick Show today brother i really appreciate that actually i appreciate you cutting a couple years off my age he's going to 28 now doing the nfl i cannot believe how time has flown it just feels like yesterday i was a cub reporter basically at the dayton daily news covering the bengals and been off and running ever since and i really appreciate you having me on board today sorry i'll switch it up to nearly three decades of covering (laughs) nfl football and literally Everything NFL. You were out here in Vegas for the NFL draft in the Hall of Fame. You were out in pretty much every training camp all around the league. Tell me, what have you seen from these Raiders from afar that keeps your keeps you intrigued with what the Silver and Black can do in 2022? 
Well, it's just, it, it, you know what I, I love to see with Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler? They came in with a plan. And, and let me tell you, you would think, oh, this is an automatic, right? The people that you hire are going to know what they're doing. Not so fast, my friend, as Lee Corso might say. Take a look at Urban Meyer, for example, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. No clue as to what type of program he was going to be running. No clue as to what types of players that he wanted that were going to be fitting the systems run by coaches that he didn't even hire. Okay, so you obviously had a complete disaster there and he doesn't make it through a full season. There's no guarantee when you hire a new head coach that they necessarily know how to put a program in place. Well, it's pretty obvious that Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler did. And what I love about it is the fact that they were open minded to a large extent. And let me use Alex Leatherwood as an example of this. And I know Alex has gotten a lot of abuse and hopefully he can relaunch his career with the Chicago Bears. I get it. I understand the vitriol from Raiders fans. But it wasn't like the Raiders came in and said, oh, Alex Leatherwood isn't our guy. We didn't draft him, so let's keep him in mothballs. Or let's just try to get rid of him right away without letting him try to make this team. No, instead they gave him every opportunity uh, to try to stick on the squad, and he didn't. But at least they were, they were willing to be flexible and honest about it and open about it. And I, and I really appreciate that as an example of knowing what they want. They made some tough decisions this offseason. Obviously, out with the old, in with the new when it comes to, to this roster turnover. I think you're going to continue to see that in 2023 and beyond when maybe they're going to be, move on from some players. But I'm excited about the upgrades they made. I'm excited about Josh McDaniel's arrival. And it really does think, they seem like things are headed definitely in the right direction in Sin City. In your nearly three decades in the league, how many times have you seen a potential head coach decline interviews with other teams because he wants to go to the right place at the right time? Because there has been plenty of guys inside and out of the Detroit Lions over the last couple of years that haven't been able to fix it. And over here in the Raiders, you saw McDaniels. He accepted this position. He accepted the interview here, but he declined a lot of them around the league. And same situation with Dave Ziegler. Well, right. But, you know, the thing is that they were given the keys to the kingdom by Mark Davis. Now, there are some teams where you're not going to get that. I, I mean, just quite frankly, you're going to have ownership. That and I'm not saying that Mark Davis isn't involved, but you're going to have ownership. And, and I'm not going to out some of these owners around the league, but I know of one general manager who literally spends almost hours a day trying to tell his owner what's going on inside the building and answering all sorts of questions and trying to explain why they couldn't draft a quarterback in the first round. You know, why it didn't make any sense this year. Things like this that can happen. Because what happens is a lot of times ownership doesn't really grasp. They, they've been so successful, some owners, in other walks of life and running different businesses, that they, they try to do the same in football, and it just doesn't work that way. I think when Josh McDaniels was looking for something very specific, when he would be able to have power over the organization without someone telling him how to do his business. And I think it's the same thing with Dave Ziegler. And obviously these two come together from New England. But I think the thing that has me excited the most about Josh, and I've been very critical about him on air for the damage that he did with the Denver Broncos. I mean, Harry, this man ruined people's lives with the way that he tried to run that team. He, he didn't give some people a chance to earn their jobs. He didn't, you know, he tried to change culture inside an organization where I don't know if the culture necessarily needed changing. He drove a wedge between the business side and the football side of things, and it was miserable. And, and there are very few people that have a nice thing to say about Josh McDaniels in the Mile High City. Of course, he'll be able to extract some revenge now with the Raiders and all that. But what I'm saying is that I think Josh has a lot more emotional intelligence and maturity now to realize he's not Bill Belichick. Don't try to be Bill Belichick. Don't try to necessarily be Belichickian in everything that you do. Be Josh McDaniels. You're good enough. I mean, look at the – I believe he has six Super Bowl rings as an assistant coach, if I'm not mistaken. Think about that. His body of work speaks for himself. And I just think this is the right place 
the right time for Josh McDaniels to show why all these teams wanted to hire him in the first place. Absolutely, and it's been 12 years since the Denver situation, and one of the things he said during his introductory press conference is he has learned more to be a people person, how to treat the human being as is, not just as a player, because in the past he would treat the guys as players, now also as human beings, and also everybody else in the office, so props to Josh McDaniels on switching that up. I have to ask you this, Alex, on a scale from 1 to 10, how surprised were you when the Raiders actually were able to trade for Devontae Adams? Oh, nine and a half. I, I just thought this was such a remote thing because once I saw Devontae Adams turn and said he's not going to sign the franchise tag, Harry, you've been around the league a long time, too. I mean, you know, you, you, it's something that people say. It's a negotiating ploy, right? And I thought at the end of the day, how are the Green Bay Packers going to let go of the best receiver in football? But they did. I mean, that's the thing that's so wild about it. They actually, they were actually willing to do this because they, they really believed that Devontae Adams wouldn't show up and play for them this upcoming season. Now, I'm not going to get into whether Green Bay made the right move or addressed the wide receiver position properly. That'll all take care of itself, and we'll see if this is another 13-win season for the Packers or if they're finally able to get over the hump and get into the Super Bowl. But from a Raiders standpoint, this was incredible. And I don't think it was all that much to give up, to be honest with you, for a player like this who's going to make an immediate impact, who we all know has that relationship with Derek Carr, who's going to make everyone around him better because, you know, now you've got to pick your poison. Hopefully there'll be a healthy Darren Waller this season. Hunter Renfro, obviously, is, I think is just going to flourish in this offense when he's running option routes and the chemistry that he has with Derek Carr. I think they're going to be an effective team running the football by committee. But Devontae Adams, they say high tide raises all boats. Well, guess what? Devontae Adams is high tide. And I just think, and he's so excited to be there. I just think that this is a game changer for this Raiders team because every team has to find a way to account for him. If you've got an opponent who doesn't have a CB1 to be able to put on him and is going to have to, to mix and match coverages and do all sorts of crazy stuff on him, it's going to create a bunch of opportunities for others that I believe Derek Carr is going to be able to take advantage of. Absolutely. For me, Alex, 2022 is a prove-it season for the Raiders, not only to their fan base, but to everybody that follows the NFL and also the national media, which you're a member of with SiriusXM NFL Radio. And a lot of Raider Nation is frustrated because the Chargers get a lot of love, the Chiefs get a lot of love, the Broncos get a lot of love, and the Raiders, not as much. What needs to change for that to happen? And I say, prove it, and then well, it will right. happen. Yeah. yeah, that's the whole thing. I mean, listen... The Chargers, and, and, and I'm going to confess this on the air, okay, I grew up a Chargers fan. And that was, you know, in the era of Dan Fouts and Wes Chandler and John Jefferson and Don Coryell, And it was the most exciting football that there was. And I'm well aware of the Raiders-Chargers rivalry, okay? But uh, the Chargers are always next, you know, this year's team, but it never comes to pass. So it just always is. And until they're able to, to actually make the playoffs and, and make a big run and win clutch games, you know, they're going to get that attention because you look on paper and you got Justin Herbert, you know, coming into his third season and an offense that can score points and a bunch of defensive upgrades. But until they actually win the games, I, I'm just, I just can't drink that Kool-Aid anymore. I mean, Kansas City, no team, even the Raiders of the 1970s never won six consecutive division titles like the Kansas City Chiefs have. They deserve all the accolades. The Denver Broncos, well, they've had a history of success, and now they have Russell Wilson, who obviously got his brand-new contract extension today. A lot of excitement in the Mile High City, although I still think 
this is a bit of a flawed team that may need a year of continued roster upgrades by George Payton to fix some of the mistakes made by his predecessors. And, but I think the Chiefs, honestly, I think Patrick Mahomes has a huge chip on his shoulder. And I did spend some time out in Kansas City. This was the vibe I came away with talking to people in the organization that I think, you know, Patrick will never say it publicly, but I think he gets a little bit tired of people talking about Tyreek Hill and like, oh my God, the Kansas City Chiefs are not going to be able to score any points with Tyreek Hill, you know, playing for the Miami Dolphins now. I think that, that Patrick Mahomes is more focused than he has ever been. I think he is comfortable in this offense. I think he's going to connect with a lot of different people. There's not going to be WR1. There's going to be a, a lot of spreading of the football going around with the Chiefs, but I think that they're still the team to beat. I just think the Raiders can give them more of a push this year than they have in the past. I still got to go with Kansas City as being the best team in this division, but I think the Raiders can make it awfully interesting along the way. It's definitely going to be a great 2022 NFL campaign in the wild, wild west out here in the AFC West. I've seen you on social media, Alex, with SiriusXM all around the country with Kirk Morrison, former Raider, James Lofton, Bill Polian, Charles <laughs> Davis, visiting all the different camps. Is there a team for you that you're like, hey, this squad is one I'm keeping my eye on because I liked what I saw? Okay, so here, I've got to be careful, because back in 2008, I really liked the Detroit Lions coming out of the preseason, and they go 0-16. That wasn't so good, right? But Can I, you I please like say the Chargers, like, please? No, I'm yeah, just I, I, no, you know Jinx what? them. The team, I, the team I like are the Houston Texans, believe it or not. I just think this is a team, not saying, you know, playoff appearance, although I tell you, with the Tennessee Titans today suffering a major blow, Harold Landry, according to ESPN, suffering a torn ACL in practice on Wednesday. So the Titans now lose their top pass rusher. That is significant, and we'll see if they make a corresponding move, like maybe trying to pry away Robert Quinn from the Chicago Bears, because really, let's be honest here, the Titans are in win-now mode with Derrick Henry having a couple years left and Ryan Tannehill probably playing his final season as a starting quarterback for this team. But that being said, the, the Texans, I just I was encouraged by all that Lovey Smith has done to make an impression on this team. I just feel like he has really energized this organization. People love playing for him. They have an exciting young quarterback in Davis Mills who really showed out in the final five or six games of last season. Damian Pierce, it looks very promising as a rookie running back. He's going to be starting in week one for this club. Defensively, they generate takeaways. I, they're so deep on the edge rush. And I think Jonathan Grenard is poised for a double-digit double sack season. Jalen Petrie, Derek Stingley Jr., hopping on board as high draft picks for this Texans team to solidify the secondary. Again, there's still work that needs to be done in Houston, but I, I just left there feeling so much better about that team than when I arrived. I think it's a legit seven, maybe even eight-win team that's going to surprise a few folks along the way. Absolutely, and who do they have as a general manager? Another former Patriots guy, Nick Casario, and also... Texans at Raiders, October 23rd, 1.05 p.m. That's definitely going to be a great game. You were out there for the Hall of Fame. Cliff Branch, you saw the Raider Nation out there strong, both with former players and also the fans. How was that experience, being able to be there for such a big moment for the Silver and Black? It was amazing. I mean, listen, and what I loved about it was, too, is just how many Raiders came back to celebrate Cliff Branch, right? And I had a chance to catch up with Jim Plunkett. You know, and, and he told anecdotes about him. And as we know, the Raiders alumni might, it probably is. I'll say probably because I, I don't want to go 100% off the top of my head, but probably the strongest alumni group because of the way that ownership treats them, right? I mean, listen, you guys have a people officer, right? And Marcel Reese. I mean, you know what I mean? It's a group that cares about once a Raider, always a Raider. This is legit. The way that they treat people is awesome. And I think that was what was so heartening for me is just seeing so many folks and don't necessarily go back to the Hall of Fame 
every year, but they're like, we want to pay our respects for Cliff Branch. And I, and I know, listen, I'm a Hall of Fame voter, and I understand, and I hear it online, and I hear it from fans when we talk about it, you know, just very upset that Cliff wasn't voted in, you know, while he was still alive. Not everyone gets voted in immediately. It's just it, that isn't the way that the Hall of Fame works. I mean, finally, it was his time, and I'm so glad that he was able to get in and for his family to be able to celebrate, and unfortunately, Cliff wasn't there. But I think that's just, again, the, the takeaway I came away from with the Raiders was just how strong this group, this alumni, continues to be and how much the Raiders organization continues to take care of their own. You have connections to the city of Las Vegas. You were out here for the draft. How has this city grown, in your opinion, from... 20 years ago to now as being not only the, the entertainment capital of the world, but being the sports and entertainment capital of the world. Well, I can tell you my mom's house has doubled in value in like 10 years, more than doubled. So, I mean, that's been interesting, right? Since she's in Florida out there, not too shabby, right? You know, she's loving Henderson every single day. She appreciates being out there, but I, I think that it's amazing. And listen, it's a, everyone's come around on, on organized gambling. Right. I mean, and that's really the only thing that was always holding Las Vegas back. And finally, when leagues realized they could tap into these funds and, you know, and be able to make money themselves off of it. And and finally, the old guard disappeared in in that regard. And the new guard that really puts the dollar first started making decisions from all sorts of sports leagues. It just opened up what's always been there. I really believe and I know that the population of Las Vegas has grown tremendously, but I always believe that Las Vegas could have supported sports teams. It was really just a matter of, of were they ever going to get them because of the whole gambling stigma. And now that that is gone, I mean, it's, it's opened the floodgates. And, and what's coming next? Obviously, Major League Baseball, you know, at some point, like NBA, at some point, I mean, you know what I'm saying? We already have the Golden Knights, and you see what a success that has been in Las Vegas. I know the minor league baseball team is doing great. I mean, it's just it's a perfect sports city, and it's just part of the entertainment lexicon because that's what sports are. They're entertainment, and they're just it's more and more entertainment in a city that is excels in entertainment. You go to Las Vegas for these things, and that's the great part, too, because you can have support not only from locals, but also from those who come in from out of town who want to see a game, and it always creates a high demand for the product in Las Vegas. So, no, it's, it's a perfect place to be. Listen, man, if I'm not chilling out in Gainesville, Florida, where, where I live now, and I love my Gators, and I love living there, but Las Vegas has got to be worth my number two spot in the entire world that I want to be at. There you go. Formula One coming over next year. That's oh. going to be nuts. And monster the, and the monster. W, and the WNBA Aces they're balling they're in the semifinals they won last night 1-1 against Seattle it's interesting so alex let's close with this sell some pay-per-views i saw you on tv last <laughs> night man out there in AEW a huge show coming up on sunday yes indeed by the way i think hopefully knock on wood we'll be back in las vegas once again on double or nothing weekend and that's become a very special uh, you know city for us obviously in come may cuz that's where we held our first pay-per-view back in 2019. But yeah, we got CM Punk and John Moxley, the rematch after John Moxley beat CM Punk in just about three minutes on Dynamite last week. It was a stunning turn of events because CM Punk has a bad foot. Punk tried to wrestle, injured the foot early on. Moxley beat him. Those two exchanged words last night, last night over the contract signing. Boom, we've got that match. 11 matches is what it's looking like on pay-per-view. And this is the great part about All Elite Wrestling. And if you're a fan of wrestling who hasn't tuned in in a while i gotta tell you i hope you give us a chance tune in friday night to rampage watch our product on on the internet youtube it's just it's a different type of wrestling and it just it has a little bit for everybody it's, we call it smorgasbord wrestling a term that cody rhodes once coined and that has me so excited about what's coming up this week because we're going to have all sorts of different matches all sorts of different competition and we've never had a bad pay-per-view 
had one bad main event because the ring didn't blow up, but that's another story altogether. <laughs> but I think when it comes to every, when it comes to the the effort given out by the wrestlers, the storyline, and, and at the end of the show, you do feel like you've been rewarded. You know that there's nothing that that leaves you with a bad taste in your mouth, except for that one show that we've long put in the past. So I just think it's the best product in the world. I'm proud of my boss Tony Khan for doing what he's doing, and I think it's going to be an unbelievable show on Sunday, all out here from Chicago. I'll say this, Alex. I say I'm available at any time of the day except Wednesdays from 5 to 7 Pacific. I'm busy. <laughs> Nobody bother me at that time because I'm busy. I'm excited about Sunday's pay-per-view. Check it out on pay-per-view, All Elite Wrestling, all out live from Schaumburg out there in the Chicago area. Alex, thank you so much for joining me today, and I hope to see you out here in Vegas soon one of these days. Oh, absolutely, Harry. Cannot wait to be back. Can't wait to see you and Vinny and the crew. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Alex Marvez from SiriusXM NFL, thank you so much for joining us. And shout out to our friends at Remy Martin, proud partners of the JT The Brick Show. Whether it's a Remy sidecar, Remy Old Fashioned, or just on ice, Remy Martin Cognac should always be your choice. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride with a Remy Martin by your side. Remy Martin, team up! For excellence. And Raider Nation, this is your last chance to call into today's J to the Brick Show. 702-365-9200. We're going to come right back here to close the show. to the JT The Brick Show with today's guest host, Harry Ruiz. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's about getting to the quarterback, so I think any defense alignment should consider themselves a rusher. But I think just in regards to what Pat has been asking us to do, I think the versatility thing is the thing that is most important for guys on this defense, like not just being a one-dimensional player and being able to grow. You know what I mean? So demanding more yourself, learning more about defense. Like, I know coverages now, so it's a little bit, you know. I ain't going to lie, this has probably been the biggest learning year I done had so far as far as just learning, like, more football. So, and then going against Josh, you know, I feel like he's obviously one of the best play callers in the game. So it's been really, really good. There you go. Cleveland Furl, Raiders defensive end, and in the background, Metallica playing. Bobby likes having me happy here in the studio. He knows I'm a huge Metallica fan. So thank you to Bobby. Thank you to everybody here at Lotus for always making sure I have a great time while filling in for JT the Brick. He'll be back tomorrow, noon to two. And then Monday, it's a day off for everybody in the studio. So hope you guys enjoy your day off out there at home as well. Remember, my go-to spirit for my summer cocktails is the Botanist Gin. Botanist is hands down my favorite gin and the number one fastest growing brand. Step up your cocktail game with the Botanist Gin. Get yourself some for the tailgates out there at Allegiant Stadium starting on September 18th. Raiders versus Cardinals. It's going to be lit out there at Allegiant Stadium. Nate Hobbs. Raiders cornerback. He spoke with the media today after practice, and this is what the former Illinois player had to say. Nate, how fast do you turn the page from kind of you know going through training camp and gearing up to starting to actually prepare for an opponent now? Um, immediately, I feel like um, I think that's how this coaching staff and how this team works. So we on to the next priority, which is the Chargers. So, so far, this training camp. Going up against guys like Devontae, Hunter every day. How much of those guys gotten better throughout this training camp? 
I can't I can't give thanks enough to him DC whether it's Darren whether it's Hunter whether it's Tay whether it's T Billy like I think every receiver on our receiving course is pretty good but it's, especially those three guys they are amazing they've got my game so you know what I'm saying so much more polished. Nate, how how are you different as a player today than you were a year ago at this time? I think I have a better understanding of where people need to be and where they will be on the field, on offense and defense. I think I got a, a good understanding of what route concepts, you know what I'm saying, teams want to throw at when we in a specific defense, in a specific shell. So. Go, going into last year, did you believe you were going to be as good as you were? Um, <laughs> I always – I don't think if you believe in yourself, you can play at this level. Like if you don't believe in yourself, you can't play at this level. So I think it got to be predetermined before you step on that field that you got to believe in yourself. So I guess to answer your question, yes. How, how close do you think you are, or do you already think you are, to being you know the best or among the best corners in the game? Uh, I try not to think about that. I try to just go to work and do my job every day to the best of my ability, and whatever happens, happens. There was a lot of talk earlier in camp about how you were going out of your way to uh, go up against Devontae, like you kind of just talked about. How, how did that come about? Was that just natural, or did you go into camp knowing, like, hey, hey we got this guy, I want to uh, match up him as much as possible? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, you know what I'm saying? He's, he's if not the best, one of the best, um, I think, players in the league, not even just receivers, players in the league. So if you want to be play at a high level, like, and, and that's my opponent, you know what I'm saying, who I match up with, why, why wouldn't I get those reps, you know what I'm saying? But then when once a couple guys uh, went down during camp and, uh, you know what I'm saying, slight injuries, I was pushed into that corner row, which I was comfortable playing, and it just ended up me, being me and him a lot, and I take that opportunity uh, willingly because he can only do nothing but make me better. Even though it was just the preseason, how much did you gain from those couple of reps that you got against the Jaguars that really kind of helped you kind of find your spot in Patrick Graham's defense? Um, I, anytime I'm playing in a game, I just try to take it serious and bring the, uh, the best of my abilities out. So it was just, you know what I'm saying, another time getting an opportunity to step on the field. So I took, a, took advantage of it. Nate, at your, at your position, um, yeah, sometimes guys might be a little bit hesitant to go try to make a play because they're afraid what might happen if that play doesn't mm-hmm. get made. Is there a fine line in that in terms of doing your job, but then also maybe seeing something on the field and, and going to make a play even though? I think that just comes along with confidence and trusting yourself and having, like, and, and having, getting that coach's trust too. You know what I'm saying? If you a certain type of player, I, I've never seen a great player just put it like this. I've never seen a great player not take a chance on a play. The way I see it, we living, like you and me, we living, everybody in here, we living, we taking a chance living. So. <laughs> you feel like you, I mean, uh, maybe coming into this year, you're a little more confident in doing that, or have you always had that confidence to do that? Yeah, definitely playing, and I'm, I'm not going to sit here and lie to y'all, like last year I would have been like, oh, I'm going to go get this. But definitely, you know what I'm saying, with, with experience, comes confidence. I don't think anybody has done anything just being confident. You got to get more experience and reps at it. So definitely um, 
I'm not gonna say too much. I'm, de- I'm definitely going to do my Are thing. Are you looking forward to that? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> the cornerback room has really been reshuffled, and mm. you're a constant from last year anyway. How would you describe this cornerback room going into this season? I think these one of the most competitive guys I've ever been around. They make me so much better, whether it's Rock, whether it's Double A, whether it's Amik Robertson, whether it's Sam, Bryce. and I can name any of the guys in there. We all come every day and, and, and put it out there, like put it out there in 100-degree weather. And that just shows, like, we don't really care. You know what I'm saying? That The, the outside circumstances don't matter to us. We're going to bring it every day. So I'm just grateful to be around these guys, man. Did a guy like Sam remind you a little bit of you? Yeah, Sam, man. <laughs> Sam Young, but he, he I don't think he know what he has. He could be a great player in this league. But as long as he keeps coming in every day and doing doing what he does, it's, it's just going to happen. Like when you put the work in, I believe good results, you know what I'm saying, come to you after a matter of time. So. Need a lot of discussion today about your confidence, and so I'm just curious: is part of your confidence the ability to just have a short memory? I think at corner, that's what to, to play this position in the NFL has to be short memory. Like, of course, we we all human, so you're gonna remember it, but it's being able to filter that. Like, this is what I'm doing now. This the past doesn't matter. So. The NFL is a risk reward business. You just talked about earlier about route concepts, pattern matching downfield, taking risks. Is that something that you've learned by watching game film? And when you see a simple formation, that you know exactly what the route concept is going to be going into that pre-snap. I think um, not. Not just that, and just film study or practice. I think it's everything. Like what you do nutrition wise, how much sleep you getting, how focused are you? You know what I'm saying? It's a lot of things that come in that go into having the confidence to, you know what I'm saying, believe in yourself and go out there and play with confidence. So. Another guy. There's Nate Hobbs, Raiders cornerback, playing with a lot of confidence. You can notice it on the field. He's a player that came into the Raiders as a fifth round draft pick who flashed. Great ability during last year's preseason. <coughs> Sorry. Sorry about that. Here. You know what? Let me get some water. Jeez, another couple of years, you're going to start sounding like me for Christ's sakes. Come on, now. Jeez. Those gummy bears really got me. Yeah, gummy bears, huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, gummy bears, uh-huh. All right. So Nate Hobbs, he flashed in the preseason. He looked amazing. And now he's a starter for these Raiders who were confident enough to let Trayvon Mullen go to another team. And you know what? I want to play Jim Plunkett. Can we go with Jim Plunkett? Yeah. Excitement going into 2022. Well, you know, it's always exciting. You know, they came very close last year. They had a very good year. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, obviously, your know, expectations are always high. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to the Raiders, you want them to see, do uh, do well each and every week. Uh, uh, and, you know, I don't care how you win on the last second field goal or interception, whatever it takes. And, you know, they've got to, you know, find a way to, you know, get that done in some fashion. Doesn't matter how, but uh, just get it done. And hopefully if I, uh, when the whistle blows at the end of the game, uh, they've come away winners. And you know what I asked him about is like, hey, is there more excitement this year that there usually is? And he's like, it's always exciting. 
And everybody I asked said the same thing. It's always exciting when it's Raider season, and you know the Raider Nation. It doesn't matter if the team has the potential of having a great year like this year's team or in the past where it has been tough and you don't know what you're going to get, but there's more than likely going to be a losing season. Raider Nation, they're ready to go out and ball out. Gorilla Rilla, who we spoke about, he was on TV, him and his wife, Jungle Jane, and they, yeah, they were asked, and it was like, hey, it was preseason, but the Raider Nation seemed to be going. She was like, it's not preseason, it's Raider season, and we're going, and it go, it's always 100%. We never do anything at a lower level because it's preseason than the Raider Nation. They are ready, and they are ready because we are... I got my calculator right here on my hands. Nine days, 23 hours, and 30 minutes away from the Raiders kicking off their 2022 regular season slate by taking on the Chargers. Raider Nation, I hope you're ready because we are. Stay tuned to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Unnecessary Roughness with Q is next here on the flagship of the Raiders. I'm Harry Ruiz. Thank you for tuning in. Follow me on social media at Harry Ruiz on Twitter at Harry underscore Ruiz on Instagram. JT The Brick is back tomorrow here on the JT The Brick Show.